Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. So I was listening to a podcast yesterday, I kid you not, this was yesterday, and I heard about a, a, a Greek scholar, not a New Testament scholar, mind you, a Greek scholar who was looking at the uh, story in the Bible and was uh, looking at the use of language and how it changes after Jesus' resurrection. Not in a way that would lead you to believe that somebody else wrote it and added it later, but more so he concluded that it was as though they were trying to describe something that they didn't have words for, that whatever they had experienced in the resurrection was beyond description. And so they, they changed. The way they use details is just a little different. The way they use language is just a little different. Uh, and as soon as I heard that, I'm like, yeah, I see it. There is a little bit of a shift. There's like an, an excitement, a, 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 a lack of understanding along with a new understanding all at once as soon as Easter happens in the Bible. And then as soon as Easter is over, the disciples are all gathered in one place and they ask Jesus, uh, Jesus who's risen and appeared to them yet again, and and they say, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Like, what's next? Is this finally the time? And Jesus says, it isn't for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You know what a witness is, right? That tells the story of what they have seen. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to, those are two very different places, by the way, and to all the ends of the earth. And after Jesus said these things, uh, it's written in Acts. As they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. What does that mean? You know, there are some who thought that meant like literally, like he floated up into the clouds. Or or was he just glorified before God, lifted up in in that sense, as when when we lift up a prayer uh, and then hidden from their sight as though in fog. I'm like, what? There are no words to describe whatever happened in that moment. And while he was going away, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. Remember the resurrection, there were two men in white robes who said, what are you looking for? Jesus isn't here. And here are two men in white robes again. And they said, Galileans, that's where they were from. Why are you standing here looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go. And so they go back to Jerusalem A couple of long days passed, at least I suspect they were long, in the disciples' experience. And then Luke, the writer, writes in the book of Acts, when Pentecost Day arrives, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And when they heard this sound, a crowd gathered They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their own native languages. They were surprised and amazed saying, look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? 
how can each of us hear them speaking in our own native language? Now, now Jen, you're welcome because I didn't make you read the next part. <laughs> you see, it was important enough. This is an odd little detail to share, but it was important enough to Luke, who wrote down this account, to name all the places that people were from. There is an amazing specificity to what comes next. He says, how can each of us here uh, speaking in our own native languages? Uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and regions of Libya bordering on Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, different religions even, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the works of God in our own languages. See, you read it fast enough, no one knows when you're wrong. <laughs> but once again, I point out the specificity that God is reaching everyone, even people perceived as being of different languages. And they were all surprised and bewildered, Luke writes. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered. Can you imagine that, that some would jeer? And they said, they're full of new wine. And then Peter the disciple who, arguably, maybe not arguably, had been through the most, with the other 11, uh, was with, he stood up with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this, listen carefully to, these, to my words. These people aren't drunk as you suspect. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And he gives the first Christian sermon as he interprets the scripture to them. And each hears in their own language. <laughs> what just happened? What just happened? Clearly, there is no language for what just happened. And we all have been, uh, we Christians have been trying to come to grips with what happened on the day of Pentecost ever since. And we don't know, but we can feel it. We can feel it. So today, and in this series that we're beginning today, called Veni Sancte Spiritus, the Latin words, I wanted to tie together just how long we've been growing into this question. We are going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to see the Holy Spirit. We're going to know the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn to trust the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to say just a word about why this is important Hmm, to me, but to all of us. Now, I said some of this in my Wednesday video, I, like I gave the longer version, so if any of you want to hear more, you're welcome to go back and watch it. But my favorite author is, uh, was a woman named Phyllis Tickle, uh, and she wrote a book that brought together what a lot of people were beginning to think and a lot of people were beginning to say, and she put it all in one place, that about every 500 years, God reconfigures the church because the world has changed so much. The last time was with Martin Luther uh, and the Great Reformation uh, when the world uh, and the Enlightenment happened. If you know your history and all of this, uh, the printing press was invented and suddenly the Bible was accessible to all people and not only, uh, not only the priests. And Phyllis argues that here we are 500 years later in the age of the internet and once again, this is a time like that of Martin Luther when God is reconfiguring the church. 
But then she wrote another book that blew my mind and blew everyone's mind. I still remember sitting at my in-laws over Christmas break reading it. I was not a very good house guest that year because I couldn't get my head out of this book. But what she said was that every other time that the church has reconfigured itself, it's gotten the Holy Spirit wrong. Now, maybe not entirely wrong. You know, it's not like we've ignored the Holy Spirit. We know there's something there. In fact, there have been some ages uh, where the Christians have spent a lot of time arguing about it. (laughs) But we haven't gotten the Holy Spirit all right, all the way right either. And when you look around the world at what's going on, when you look at uh, the so-called third world countries where Pentecostalism day of Pentecost, right? Where Pentecostalism is growing like wildfire, metaphor intentional. Phyllis Tickle says that this time the Holy Spirit will not be gotten wrong. (laughs) This time the Holy Spirit refuses to be taken lightly. Now I could go on about what she says and about this argument, but you feel it too, right? There's more here. There's more here to this story on the day of Pentecost than we really grasp, than we really live with our lives. I know there is for me, and I'll bet you feel it too. When we talk about God the Father, creator God, when we look out at creation, you know what I'm talking about, right? When we hear the stories of Jesus, we see God's presence in Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. But when I say Holy Spirit, that's harder to describe. It's harder to understand, harder to get our arms around. Yet, the very name of our congregation, Trinity, is named for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All the ways that God comes to us, all the co-equal ways God comes to us. And I use the word co-equal because that's the word they came to at one of those big arguments about what the Holy Spirit is (laughs) centuries ago. We here at Trinity, of all people, ought not neglect that third one, the Holy Spirit. So each week in this series, we're going to look at another aspect of the Holy Spirit. But today, we're going to start with the one that I think you probably hear most often. It was in a lot of those songs we sang this morning. And that is breath or wind. The first place we see God, the first place we see it in the Bible is in the very first verse, Genesis 1.1. The Hebrew word is ruach, kind of got that at the end, right? Ruach. And a ruach is used to either mean wind or breath. And sometimes it just means the, the literal wind, you know? Uh, it's, a, it's a windy day. You know, there's a lot of ruach out there. But ruach is also used to refer to God's spirit and uh, to God's breath breathing upon us and helping us to grow or, or whatever it may happen to be. And the very first verse of the Bible is this. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without shape or form, it was dark over the deep sea, and God's ruach, it's translated in this Bible, God's wind swept over the waters. Oh, I lied. That's actually the second verse. They they kind of go together. It's the first sentence anyway. (laughs) Uh, So in the very beginning, before creator God even made the earth, God's ruach, God's wind, God's breath, God's spirit swept over. Now think about it for a second. We cannot see the wind with our eyes but we can feel it on our skin when a breeze blows, can we not? 
We can hear the wind rustle in the leaves. We can hear the wind howl through the rafters. Okay, I was kind of hoping God would come through for me there, but you get the idea, right? We can hear the wind howl through the rafters. We can see the branches on a tree bend and wave. And in the same way, we cannot see the Holy Spirit itself. But we can see the result of the Holy Spirit. We can see the result of God's influence on the world. When we look back on every day of our lives, if we have eyes to see it, when we look back on our day, we can see, oh, that was a place God was active. I think God was doing something at this particular moment in my day. Uh, so once again, we may not even notice the, the air in the moment, the ruach, but when we look back, we see, oh man, God really was active. When we look back on history, we say, look at what all God has done. But ruach doesn't only mean wind, it also means breath. Now, when I say the breath of God, what do you think? I always think Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, but I suppose I dated myself a little bit. Not sure that's the best interpretation, uh, but, but you get the idea, right? The breath of God sounds like a powerful thing, maybe even a dangerous thing. Well, perhaps it is dangerous in a sense, in a good sense that's not terrifying, but the kind of sense that, it, that, that it's powerful and can do a lot. But breath is also extremely intimate, is it not? Breath is as close as can be. It's a power of a different sort. It's not the kind of wind that could blow down a building, breath. But breath is what powers every word that we speak. And that may be even more powerful than the gales that blow. Breath is what keeps us alive. It's what refreshes us. And so it is with the breath of God. But isn't it also easy to take air for granted? That's even kind of a silly thing to say, isn't it? Isn't it easy to take air for granted? You know, like the old story of the fish who doesn't know what water is. So we spend our whole lives swimming in the air without even thinking about it very much. We live every day surrounded by God's breath and only rarely do we even notice it. There are seasons of life where God's spirit is like the most gentle breeze where if we stir in the slightest, if we're busy, we don't even notice that that air, that that breeze is there. And it's only when we calm ourselves and it's only when we are still that we notice just how powerful that breeze can refresh us. But this spring, the breeze was not gentle, was it? This was the windiest spring in Lincoln that I have ever experienced. So I'm a former Kansan, right? We Kansans take pride in our wind, and this spring in Lincoln about did me in. I am serious. You know, it's not just walking to the car at an angle. There came a point this spring where it was fatiguing just to hear the wind blowing against the side of the house. Did anybody else notice that? Like, I'm just tired of that sound. <laughs> I don't even know how many bungee cords we went through on our trash bins, which we have to keep outside because they won't fit in our garage. <laughs> it was the windiest spring I have ever experienced, and sometimes... The Holy Spirit blows like that. 
You remember what it said in the Pentecost story? Uh, what is that? Just like the second verse or so of it. It said, suddenly a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. There are seasons of great change in this world. There are seasons of great remaking in this life where God's spirit blows in a way that is relentless, that will not let us be. Maybe it's even terrifying when it happens. And oftentimes in the moment, we can't get over the pressure of the wind itself. Only It's only looking back that we realize that that wind God's, was God's presence and God's spirit. Sometimes we even fail to notice when the wind rages. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes we just complain without even really thinking about what the wind is for or what it's doing. Or, if you want to put it in a little more theological terms, I'll even put this on the screen. We know from Easter that God is actively remaking the world. But we often fail to notice God's presence all around us. Actually doing the work of Easter. The remaking of the world. The rebuilding of all that is. Sometimes in ways that are soft and gentle. Sometimes in ways that are fierce and relentless. Now, over the coming weeks, we're going to bring this down to earth a little bit more because that's not the only way we think of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also helper. That's next week's topic, how the Holy Spirit helps us in our difficult times when we have a challenge that we're facing. One of the other weeks, we're going to talk about what we should do when we have a difficult decision to make in our life, a discernment as a spirituality uh, types might call it, when we pray to God for an answer. What, uh, where is the Holy Spirit in times like that? that. We're going to talk about God's spirit being a force for positive change in the world. We're going to talk about the gifts that the spirit gives to us. So we're going to bring this down to earth a little more than just wind and air as we go through the series. But the result is that God's movement in the world and in you will become more apparent, will become easier to see, will become perhaps at least a little bit to notice. And maybe you'll start to see God's presence more in your job, in your family. You know, maybe mealtimes or the kids' bedtimes will become opportunities for you to see where God is present. Maybe you'll even start to see God in the news, something that we can all use a little more eyes to see these days, I think. God's spirit is already in those places. It's already moving. It's the air we swim in. It's the air we breathe. It's the, it, the God's spirit blows in the same way. We just need eyes to see it and a heart to receive it. But in the meantime, watch for it. Hoist up your sail even when you think the wind isn't blowing and watch what happens. All right, let us pray. Oh God, as we come before you on this Pentecost Sunday, we pray that you would give us hearts that are open to your spirit. And God, as we prepare to, propose, to approach your table this morning, especially in this moment, we acknowledge to you that we have not always been open. We have not always been people who have had eyes to see what you are doing. We have too often been fish swimming in the ocean wondering what water is. We have been people swimming in the world wondering where your Holy Spirit is. 
forgive us of all the ways we've fallen short, O God. And as we come to your table, may we feel your breeze blow in the breaking of the bread. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.